Hi everybody, I'm Peter Jacobson, and welcome to Jake's Takes. A lot happening this week in a world where there really isn't much happening at all. The news out of the USGA and Fox and NBC yesterday was that the USGA has now opted out of their contract with Fox to televise the USGA event package, and it has now gone back to NBC, which is great for me. I've been on the NBC Golf Channel team now for a little more than 10 years and have been fortunate enough to be involved in quite a few telecasts of the U.S. Open in the past, so I'm excited about it with a chance maybe to do it again this fall when we uh, gather in New York at Wingfoot. I think it's difficult to quantify why this happened, how it happened. I think it has a lot to do with the COVID-19 pandemic and the economy and the shutdown. We know that Fox paid over a billion dollars for the USGA package five years ago. They had seven years left on their contract, and it was quite controversial and quite a surprise when that happened. I think everybody assumed that the USGA would re-up with NBC. They were going to get an increase in their contract, and NBC was going to continue to do the great job that they do. But when the USGA selected Fox, that sent a shockwave through broadcast television and I think put a lot of pressure on Fox to get up to speed very quickly to broadcast our nation's Open Championship, one of the four major championships. And I think it's, it's, it's a very difficult thing to do. Obviously, CBS and NBC have been doing it for years. Before them, ABC did such a wonderful job. But getting up to speed quickly with a team, I think, proved to be really difficult for Fox. Now, their, their producer was Mark Loomis, someone I've worked with in the business, and I think Mark's excellent. Also, they had a director who I've worked with before, Steve Byme, and I think they did... It did a really good job. It's hard to get up to speed that first year, but I think five years in, I think you'd agree that it might not have been up to the level of NBC, but they were getting better, and they actually created some really cool innovations within the telecast, but I think they were up against the eight ball right from the very outset. They really couldn't hire any broadcasters that were currently with NBC or CBS. So they were really trying to put together a team of people that had television experience but didn't currently have a contract. So that made things difficult. And the host of any golf show is always tricky. We have Jim Nance with CBS and Dan Hicks and Mike Tirico with NBC, some of the best voices and some of the most experienced anchors and hosts in all of sports and certainly golf. And Joe Buck, who was the host for Fox, everybody knows him as a baseball and football guy. I know Joe Buck and I love him when he does NFL football and Major League Baseball. And I remember when he was out at Pinehurst when NBC had the last U.S. Open before it flipped over to Fox. And I was out walking Pinehurst number two before the telecast center ran into Joe. And it was great to see him. And he said, wow, I'm jumping right into the middle of this whole thing. And I'm trying to learn as I go. And I think, I think it's tough. 
when you're not thought of as a golf guy, it's tough to all of a sudden be a golf guy on television. But like I said, Fox was getting better. This is a win-win. I'm going to have a chance to discuss this with Jim Nugent of Global Golf Post uh, in the podcast today. But I think this is a win for everybody across the board. The USGA, Fox, and NBC. So I think all parties are very happy for different reasons, of course. So we're going to have a chance to get more into that later in the show. Based on what I'm hearing also is, and it's been rumored for probably two months, that the Ryder Cup is going to be either, well, can't say canceled, but postponed until 2021. I think it's probably one of the worst kept secrets in the game of golf. I think players on both sides of the U.S. and Europe don't want to play at Whistling Straits without fans. I've been able to be a part of a couple of Ryder Cups playing as well as broadcasting, and there's no doubt that the players look to the fans, the home fans especially, as an extra club in their bag. So I think it would be at a detriment to the United States because, as you know, this, this event jumps back and forth every two years between Europe and the United States. I think it would be to the home team this year, the United States team's detriment, if they were to play without fans. Uh, there's, just, there's just something about the atmosphere and the excitement of a Ryder Cup when you're at home. I've, I've played both here and also overseas. And, boy, when you, when you make a putt and people hiss and boo, or you miss a putt and they cheer, that can really that could really set you off. You're not used to that. So I'm hearing that the Ryder Cup will be postponed until next year, which throws a complete monkey wrench into the schedule right now. Next year, we're supposed to be playing the President's Cup. So it's a domino effect. It pushes everything back. We already know that the Olympics, which was supposed to be held this year, is pushed back to next year. So This pandemic, this shutdown across the board has been difficult for everybody to figure out, not only schedule-wise, but financially for sure. Hard to imagine a player winning 21 PGA Tour events and it not getting the attention and the fanfare that it should. Dustin Johnson yesterday up at Hartford and the Travelers Championship won his 21st PGA Tour event, and that's 13 seasons in a row the Dustin has won a PGA Tour event. That is, that, that's just incredible. Again, I, I only won seven tournaments in my 30-odd, year-odd career on the PGA Tour, and I thought that was pretty good, but it pales in comparison when you stack that up against the great dominant players in our game, Tiger, Jack, and certainly Dustin Johnson. If you can win 20 tournaments on the PGA Tour, you become a life member. And uh, there aren't that many. I think probably 10 or 15 players in the history of the game have won more, 20 or more tournaments. And now Dustin Johnson has won 21. Yes, Dustin Johnson doesn't jump off the paper at you as an emotional pump your fist, jump across the putting green after you make a putt, or like when Jordan Spieth hold the bunker shot at Travelers a couple of years ago, he jumped out of a bunker into his caddy Michael Greller's arms and was just screaming and hollering. That's not Dustin Johnson. Dustin Johnson is more in the Ben Hogan mold. He's kind of a, he's a bit of an ice man, a bit like Tiger under pressure. All he does 
is win. All he does is complete the task. Think back to when he won the U.S. Open at Oakmont. Remember there was that rules controversy with his ball moving. I think it was on the eighth green, and they didn't know whether he had a one-shot lead or a three-shot lead going into the back nine. Well, I was watching that, and I was thinking, how in the heck is Dustin going to react to this? Well, he let it roll off his back, and it turned out to be uh, a moot point. I think he won by three or four shots, so it didn't matter. But Dustin didn't didn't bat an eye. And I've become more and more impressed with Dustin Johnson, the, the man and the player and the competitor. I've always liked him ever since I met him. I actually met him on the 15th tee at Poppy Hills when I was playing in, I think it was one of my last AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Ams. And I watched him launch it on this par 315 down the hill. It's about 230 yards. I was hitting a hybrid. He hit a four or five iron on the green. I thought, uh-oh, this guy can launch it. But ever since then, Dustin has always impressed me with the way that he has learned. That's the key when you win a win on tour, or really at any level, you have to learn. You're going to make more mistakes along the way, but if you let them consume you, you're done. Quit. Go find another job. But if you don't learn from your mistakes, you're you're bound to repeat them. And that's what's impressed me about anybody on tour that wins a lot, and certainly Dustin Johnson. So congratulations to Dustin. 21 PGA Tour events and more to come. I can guarantee you that with his length, with his touch, with his improved wedge play, and his demeanor on the golf course, I can guarantee you 21 is a great number. Uh, I would expect that he could probably be closing in on 30 before we know it. It's a jungle in here, and we all know it. The fans are fired up and making sure they show it. They're rallying loud, not your usual crowd. It's a jungle in here, and we all know it. People ask me all the time now, when I played an outing or a tournament or just with friends, why do I play a yellow ball? Well, it's pretty simple, really, because I can see it. I can see the ball in flight all the way from the tee down to the landing spot, whether that's the fairway or, yeah, a fairway bunker. At my age now, I lose the white ball in flight. When Strixon first started making the Z-Star yellow ball, and they put it in my locker, it was to hand out to my amateur partners in the Pro-Am. And I was thinking, I'm not going to play this ball. I'm going to play the white ball. But when they put it in play, I could see their ball. And I immediately thought, what in the heck? I could see that ball. And believe me, when you lose sight of the ball in flight and you don't know where it lands, it kind of takes a little bit of the fun away. So what I did right then, I switched to the yellow ball. I started playing it in the pro-ams and eventually I started playing it in the tournament. Whenever you switch to a new ball, you're always worried about how that ball is going to fit in with what you do, how it affects your game. And I play it because it does everything I need it to do. I always think about proper spin, the proper trajectory, and the maneuverability of the shot. With the Strixon Z-Star yellow ball, I can curve it left to right, hit it high or low, and it has that perfect amount of spin that I need for my game. It's been about 10 years now since I put that ball in play, and I've never looked back. It's yellow for me. For the rest of my career. You've been here before, you know what to do. Keep your head 
I'm happy now to be joined by the founder and publisher of Global Golf Post, Mr. Jim Nugent, a longtime friend and contributor to the podcast. Jim, welcome to the uh, welcome to the show. And there is some big news that broke yesterday with regards to the USGA, broadcast television, and uh, NBC and Fox. Well, first, thanks for having me on, Peter. And yeah, late last night as we were putting Global Golf Post to bed, we started getting uh, strong indications that uh, there was news coming from uh, the USGA, from Fox, and from NBC. And we discerned, we were able to put together that it looked like Fox was going to get out of the relationship, the, the 12-year deal that they signed with the USGA back in 2013, and hand it over to uh, NBC and, and Golf Channel. And that's precisely the news that was uh, announced this morning by the USGA and by NBC. And it's really quite a, an earthquake, as you know, uh, in the world of televised golf. Well, full disclosure, I have a contract with NBC and Golf Channel, and I've actually been a part of many telecasts for the U.S. Open. So I'm, I was, I was heartbroken when USGA went with Fox five years ago because uh, there's nothing like being involved with the USGA. I'm a big USGA fan, but also having the chance to broadcast our national championship. And five years into a 12-year deal, and I believe the deal is over a billion dollars. Uh, going to the USGA, and from what I understand, the USGA will still get their money. It's just a some sort of a financial deal between NBC and Fox. You're right. It was a, a more than a billion dollars, which was kind of a jaw-dropping number when it uh, took place when it was announced in 2013. And and many people thought then that they were vastly overpaying for these rights. And this seems to be a uh, an acknowledgement uh, that, that that's probably the case. As, as we understand the economics, NBC and its sister properties, Golf Channel and their new streaming service, Peacock, are going to pay what they bid when they finish second to Fox in 2013. And Fox has to make up the difference and pay it to the USGA so that the USGA continues to get $93 million a year, which was the original deal. In reading the press release and also reading between the lines, it uh, it seems like it's a maybe a win-win for everybody. USGA still gets paid that billion dollars over the twelve year of the deal. NBC is back with the broadcast rights, and and Fox, which I, I've got to think that Fox has just gotten killed a, a m- because of the COVID nineteen and baseball and possibly football not happening. I I, I feel awful for what's happened with Fox. I think win-win-win is pretty accurate um, with one qualifier, and that is that uh, for Fox, it just means they're going to lose less money on their golf investment. So that's good, but they're still uh, expected to lose money. And, yeah, it's you can't imagine the kind of year that, that they've had with, uh, you know, baseball uh, is going to be cut to 60 games. Nobody's quite sure what's going to happen with the NFL. Uh, nobody's quite sure what's going to happen with college football. There's a lot up in the air, but this this was a way for the Fox, I think, to get out from under an onerous deal and and lose less money. When the deal was announced five years ago between Fox and the USGA, I was I was still a part of that broadcast team back then doing the U.S. Open, and I think I think uh, probably naively we all thought that we would just get the contract extended. And one of the things we learned very quickly is that. Jumping into something as intricate and difficult to broadcast like the game of golf is hard to do, and I think Fox proved that. 
I think they've gotten better over the years, but the U.S. Opens that they broadcast were at Chambers Bay, Oakmont, Aaron Hills, Shinnecock, and last year at Pebble Beach. And there's no question there were some growing pains. And I know you speaking not only as a media member, but also a golf fan. I, I do think that they got better. Mark Loomis, who was their producer, I think who's a, a very experienced guy. I've worked with him before. But definitely the growing pains were evident. The the first outing was a rough outing for a couple of reasons. First of all, you're right. Mark Loomis is a very talented uh, television uh, producer. But in that first year, I think some things and, and some people were imposed upon him that he really didn't uh, agree with. But it was the first year out. He was the new guy. He, he went along with it. And, and it. and they got fairly criticized for their performance. The other issue behind that, as you know all too well, is they – it, it, they basically started almost cold, and that was going to be a problem with this arrangement going forward. Unlike uh, CBS or NBC, where you've got a team, you were part of the team at NBC, and, and you worked together uh, for weeks at a time, over years at a time, you're getting reps in. You're getting better each time out. That wasn't ever going to happen with Fox because they were only going to get three or four uh, reps, three or four b- broadcast opportunities each summer, but they did get better. Each open was better. They did bring some real innovation to bear on uh, the open, uh, and, and they were really credited with an extraordinary presentation at Pebble Beach uh, a year ago. NBC now owns the broadcast rights to the USGA package, which includes the U.S. Open. They also own the rights to the Open Championship, now also the Players' Championship, the Ryder Cup, and the President's Cup, and we both know they're producer Tommy Roy, who is my boss, and again, I'm very biased, but I think that's a pretty strong lineup of important events. CBS is the other player. They do the uh, Masters and the PGA Championship, so I think I think as difficult as it is to to televise and produce these events, I think both NBC and CBS do a fabulous job. I don't think there's any question. I... I, I... It's hard to discern the difference between the two because they both generally are performing at a very, very high level. Some people might prefer, you know, Jim Nance or other people might prefer Mike Tirico. Those are kind of personal preferences. Uh, they both do uh, a great deal, a really good job doing it. And, and they're working to get better. You, you've seen, you know, some younger people come to both broadcast operations, Trevor Immelman, uh, over at uh, CBS, and you've seen Justin Leonard be- get more involved with uh, NBC. So they're bringing new talent in and, and getting a little bit younger. The U.S. Open is playing this September at Wingfoot, but they'll probably be without fans. I, I think that's yet to be determined. But next year, we go back to Torrey Pines in San Diego. The next year, we go to the Country Club uh, at Brookline in Boston, then L.A. Country Club, which I'm extremely excited about that. I played amateur events back then in the old days when I when I lived in Portland, Oregon. Then in 2024, we go back to Pioneers number two, and then Oakmont, Shinnecock, and Pebble Beach again. So pretty exciting lineup at some legendary and historical golf courses. Jim, let me ask you this. Do you, uh, with the new TV package starting again in 22, uh, do, you, do you think there's going to be a lot of changes in the, uh, in the digital world for golf? I do, you know, um, and it was hinted at in the um, press release that came out this morning 
NBC has launched a new service called uh, Peacock. It's a streaming service, kind of like HBO Max and, and Netflix and, and Amazon. And some of this USGA program is going to show up on Peacock. They weren't specific as to how much or which tournaments. But the, the notion of streaming is becoming uh, more and more commonplace across uh, viewing habits. Consumers are willing to pay for these services uh, increasingly. And so I think the, the digital rights, uh, the value of those is only going up, and I think that it's going to look very different than it looked as recently as three or five years ago. Let me go back and ask you a question about what happened this past weekend. Dustin Johnson won the Travelers Championship up in Hartford. That was his 21st PGA Tour win, and obviously he won the U.S. Open back at Oakmont a few years ago. People have always asked me about Dustin and whether he's a dynamic player or not. And and I, it's hard for me to say that he's a dynamic personality because he just lets things roll off his back. He's not emotional. He doesn't get upset about things. But let me ask you, do you think he is a Hall of Fame? you think he's Hall of Fame bound? I think he's knocking on the door, Peter. And if he had another major under his belt, uh, I'd say the answer is definitely yes. Uh, 21 career wins on the PGA Tour, one major. That's that's awfully impressive, and uh, he he doesn't you know light up the screen. He to your point, he kind of keeps an even keel. I think that's part of his game. He doesn't seek out uh, attention. He's he's not really really good in front of the cameras. I think he lets his golf game speak for himself. And that drive on 18 yesterday, uh, how do you not like that? 350 yards to cap off the, the win. He's got all the tools, and I think he's right there for Hall of Fame consideration. I think the only thing Dustin and I have in common was we both had a lead on that 18th hole at, at the TPC. <laughs> and I did hit my drive. I put it just in the right rough, uh, and I ended up putting it on the green and winning the tournament just like Dustin did. But I think there was about 100 yards of difference <laughs> off the team. That, that sound, when that ball came off the club face yesterday, or on Sunday, I should say, that just exploded off the face. He's He's got that other gear, which all great players seem to have, that when he needs it, he can find it. Hey, you're so right. You know, he's got it. Rory's got it. Jack had some it. Of these young kids, have, Jack had it in, in, in his day. Uh, some of the younger it. kids that are coming out have it. Tiger, you know, Tiger had it for a decade, right? Uh, it, when, when, when you can hit it straight, and Greg Norman had it, right? Peter, yep, he, he did. He, yep. he certainly was long and straight. When you can do that uh, and do it under pressure, that's special, and that's going to set you apart from the rest of the herd. One last thing before I let you go. I'm, I'm intrigued by Bryson DeChambeau and this increased distance. I've known Bryson since he was, I don't know, 9 or 10 years old. He's a Fresno guy. We used to do an event down in that area, and he would always come up and join us for clinics. He's been a, he's been a great young man uh, since he was just started the game, and now – Obviously, they call him the mad scientist, and he's gained such incredible distance and speed by by working out. But the one thing I do notice, I don't see him smile enough. Every time he shoots a score, whether it's 68 or 65 or 66, I hear in his press conference that he's unhappy. He's dissatisfied. And I don't know. To me, I just hate to see a, pa a guy get on a path where he just doesn't seem to be satisfied. Do you? Do you get that feeling, or am I way off base here? 
I, I tend to agree with you, and it's unfortunate because, uh, like you know, I, like you, I know him just a little bit, and he's a perfectly charming young man. Uh, he's different. There's no question about it. I think he needs to lighten up just a little bit and realize that he's playing a game, and, and you can't have fun doing it. I worry, though, about this uh, quest for speed. Uh, we've seen this injured backs and blowout elbows before, and uh, he was a pretty good player before he, he, he put all this weight on and, and went for distance. I just hope that uh, he can hold up over the long run. Uh, he, if, if this leads to back issues, uh, it's not going to prove to have been worth it. Yeah, you're right. I, I really enjoy talking to Bryce, and he's a very thoughtful, kind young man. I just uh, Maybe when I get out there and have a chance to talk to him, I'm going to say, dude, lighten up. Let people know how much fun you're having, because it's a really important Smile. part of the game. Smile. It's okay to do that. Jim, thanks for your time, as always, and for your insights, and uh, look forward to catching up with you soon. Thanks, Peter. Thanks for having me on. I'm a sports nut, and if you're anything like me, the first thing you do every morning is grab your phone and check to see what may have happened overnight in the world of sports. But Mondays are for golf. Once the weekend is over and the golf tournaments around the world are complete, whether they're on the professional tours or in the amateur world, I know I'll find what I need on Global Golf Post. It comes to my email every Monday morning delivering everything I need to know as I dissect what happened over that weekend. It also offers insight and analysis from experienced writers and contributors who are as committed to the game as I am. And it's pretty easy to sign up. Just log on to globalgolfpost.com and you're done. And for even more great content, you can subscribe to Global Golf Post Plus, which takes a deeper dive into the world of golf, exploring the people, places, and things that makes this game we love so intoxicating. And with Global Golf Post Plus, there's no advertising. Use the promo code JAKESTAKES when you sign up to receive 30% off your monthly subscription to Global Golf Post Plus. So remember, globalgolfpost.com. It's everything you're going to need to know about this game of golf. It's a jungle in here, and we all know it. The fans are fired up. Hey, okay, I know we're all really hungry, all right, and there's not a lot of food around, but I've got an idea, okay, but you can't tell everybody about it because I don't think it's going to go over well. Now, you see those chickens over there? Yeah, those ones. Now, I know they're your chickens. I know, hey, hey, I know they're your chickens. No, I'm not saying to eat the chickens. You've got to listen to me. Let me say it first. Do I have your attention? Okay. Sometimes, if you watch the chicken long enough, these little round white things come popping right out of the backside. Now, I don't know what's in them. You don't either, do you? Ha, I knew you didn't. I'm thinking we could eat those. No, no, okay, all right. I know it sounds disgusting, but you got to hear me out. Would you rather starve 
find out if those little white things maybe got some food inside. It's like a little gift from the chicken right out of bum to us. And the chicken seems no worse for the wear. And I don't think they'll mind. They don't seem very smart. Well, that's all the time we have for this week's Jake's Takes podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Peter Jacobson. These have been my takes. What are yours?